0: There's an old story about an English preacher who, in traveling from place to place, preaching to audiences, ran into a best-selling author who was also traveling and speaking to different groups of people and place to place, and their paths would often cross, they struck up a friendship. Well, after some time, the, the preacher noticed that there was a huge difference between he and this fiction author, this best selling fiction author. And one day he brought it up and he said, what's what's the difference between you and me? You're appearing before crowds night after night with fiction and the crowds come wherever you go. You have a full crowd that responds to your message. And here I am preaching the truth and I'm not getting any crowds at all. I'm not getting any response at all. What's the difference between you and me? And the fiction author responded and he says, it's quite simple. I, I can tell the difference between you and me. I present my fiction as though it were truth. You present your truth as though it were fiction. And I've often wondered, do we live our lives that way? Do I live my life that way? We come here to this place. For those of you who are Christ followers... We come here and we sing these songs. We just gave God praise for his, his grace and his mercy. We just sang about the resurrected king. We cry out to him and we do that in this place. But I wonder if when we leave here, if we go home, and we live the truth as though it's fiction in our lives. I wonder if we leave this place and live a different way than we are in here. In our series that we're in right now to kick the new year, the new decade off, we're in our series called Reset. And in this series, we we had an overview week, really gave kind of a, a, a picture of what the next decade might be like if we were serious about resetting some areas of our lives. And last week, we talked about what it means to reset in terms of relationships. I made the appeal and the challenge for you all to get into groups, and man, you all have responded. I am so, so pleased with what I'm hearing about you all trying out groups and giving groups a chance here in the context of this Christian community. And I wanna encourage you to go back and listen to those two messages if you missed. Uh, Next, over the course of the next two weeks, we're going to talk about what it means to press reset in terms of our influence and finances. And I'm not going to tell you which is which week, because you might not come (laughs) for one of those. I know the deal. (laughs) And today, I want to talk about what it means to reset in terms of our passions in life, our passions in life. When I say that word, passion, there's a lot of things that we may think of. We may think of the type of passion that that, uh, kind of uh, goes with love or the type of passion that goes with some mission or some kind of movement that we're passionate about. But what I'm talking about this morning, and I think what God's word has so much to say about, is that thing that drives us, the loves, the, the motives, the desires, of our heart, which can so easily be twisted to be something that's fiction. I've mentioned a couple times um, on a Sunday morning, I even talked about it through the period of time that I went through this, but back in 2014 and 2015, I, I entered a period of time in my life where I went through severe depression. And this was all new to me. In fact, I don't think I even really realized it much at the time, that's what it was that I was going through. I, I kind of had a, a malaise about life, kind of had a malaise about my family, was confused in a lot of ways, and so um, really began to seek some, some help on that. Many of you helped me along the way. I, I went to a, a Christian counselor here in our area um, week in and week out to, to get help. Um, with this darkness that I was feeling and sensing and the reality around me just seemed like it was just Oppressive and again, I, I grew up in a, in a stoic family if you if you had trouble you fix the trouble And if you couldn't fix it you pull yourself up by the bootstraps and move on, right? A lot of you grew up that way. i never even never even focused on these kind of things growing up but it was dark it was a difficult time in my life and and I got help and I, I developed a plan and man, here I am years later and there are some days and some weeks because if you've, if you've ever been through depression, if you've ever gone through that sort of mental illness, you know that it doesn't always, it doesn't just go away. It's something that may be there kind of in the background, but you have to have a plan to deal with it. And man, I kind of dove in head first to develop a plan to deal with this in my life. And now, years later, there are, there are some moments, some days, some hours where I hit that. those times in my life where it gets dark again, and it's the plan that anchors me. And through that period of time, I discovered so much about myself. I discovered um, things about myself that I'd never really thought of or, 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 or gave any, gave any a, a moment's notice towards, or a, a moment's, you know, just a glance towards. I realized who I was as a dad, as a husband, as a pastor, as a friend. I realized so much about that. But there's something else that I realized during that time, that if I don't have a plan for every area of my life, I'm sunk. I'm sunk. And some days, you can ask my family, I live according to the plan. Some days I don't. Some days I get off track, and those are the days that I usually, usually begin to slip back into that. Now, years later, I've practiced and I know some of those things, some of those routines, some of those plans, some of those factors in my life that I know gets me back to the place where where it's just in the background. It's not in front of me. It's not right there in front of me. And I'm so thankful for the people and things in my life that I put in place to help me. And I want to pause for a moment. And I just want to say this. And This isn't a message about depression. Don't worry. That would be depressing. Uh, But... (laughs) Uh, Those of you who have dealt with this or those of you who have had these moments of darkness around you, I want to encourage you on this. Get help. Seek out help. Find someone you trust and ask them to come alongside of you. Cynthia was right there the whole time. In fact, I remember it was in 2014 that this started and I thought I was getting better. In 2015, my mom passed away in a six week period of time from the moment that she found out she had cancer till till the time that she died. And I slipped right back in when I got more help, worked the plan again, started digging out. And I wanna encourage you, if you're here today, we have an amazing ministry called Stephen's Ministry where you don't have to pay to have someone help you. There are people who are here in this church who have gone through extensive training, 50 hours of training who can help you. And on February 9th, between 12:30 and two, we've got a time for those of you who may need a Stevens minister to help care and come alongside of you. And maybe those of you who might be good at doing this, you can find out more about Stevens ministry. And my prayer is, is that some of you might reach out to get the help that you deserve. One of the things that I realized about myself during that time was there was a period of time in my life that that I could recognize that I began to allow what drove me and my passion to begin to change. And that was one of the factors that I needed to get back to the first love, the the main passion in my life. It was one of the things that I learned. It was one of the, the anchors that I had. And today, now today, when I struggle with that, I get back to my first love, like John talks about in the book of Revelation, and that's God and God alone. And I realized that, that sometimes those things that, that we have, that there are a lot of things that we have in our lives that kind of begin to creep into our lives, that begins to kind of twist and it begins to kind of turn our love for God and the things of God to something else. And maybe you've entered today and maybe it's not depression that you're struggling with. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it, the output is something else. But if you were really honest as you've, headed, you know, if you, as you've headed into this new year and this new decade, if you were really, truly honest about yourself and with yourself, you're struggling in your faith walk, those of you who already are Christians who have accepted Christ as your savior, there's something else that has begun to replace God as your first love and your passion. And for those of you who, um, man, this message is is maybe a little bit more geared to those who are already Christ followers. Oh man, my challenge today is is that you would, would sense all that God did by sending his son and that maybe you might make your first passion, your first love him for the very first time. Maybe you walked in here today and you like I needed years ago, you need a reset in terms of your passions. And what we're going to be talking about today is, I think, three principles, three passion principles, three statements that I think if we get this right, that we can honestly, truly say about ourselves. And, and my, my goal for you today is that you would use these three statements a, as a grid, as a bit of a litmus test, if you will, for where you are with your passions, the thing that drives you the most, the thing that allows you to get up in the morning and to do this life. And so I'm gonna ask you to be really honest with yourself and with God this morning. And let's dive in and take a look at what his word says about passions, those things that drive us. I wanna take a look at these passion principles today so that we can press reset if we're in a place where our passions have begun to change from God to something else. The first statement, the first passion principle is this, can you say, can you honestly say this statement and, and claim this statement that the primary love of my life is God? I think if we are Christ followers, we have to understand that it's not something that we do one time and it just, that's it. We're over it, we're, we're, we're saved. We've got kind of our, our you know, uh, eternal insurance and we just like move on with our life. if if we've had a a real, true encounter with God's Son, it will change everything. It'll change everything. So as this morning, I want to ask you, what is the primary love of your life? If there were a blank there, what would you fill it in with? The primary love of my life is, what is that for you? What is that for you? What is it for you today? You know, this is something that we can honestly be a bit conflicted about. Because there are things that the world and even um, the church will say that, that are, are highly important, and, and we can often get confused by the good things of God and God Himself when it comes to the centerpiece of our love. We may mistake something that's good for the greatest one, and that's him. And Jesus has this encounter. It happens many times. In fact, we used this passage last week for the second part of this statement, which is talking about relationships and the relationships we ought to have. But I want to take a look at the first part. Jesus has this encounter, and and, and people ask him, and they probably ask him often. Take a look at this from Matthew 22, 36 actually just verse 37. He, they say, what is the greatest commandment, the law? And he answers in verse 37, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your, what is, what is that next word? With all your heart, with all your what? Soul. Soul and with all your mind. So when Jesus is asked about the commandments, we talked about it last week, because the second one is you shall love others it's the second commandment. And so God God's summarized all of, those, all of those commandments, hundreds of commandments in, in kind of two phrases, love God and love people. And you responded to that amazingly last week. But what's going on in your heart? What's going on in your heart? Determine what or who has your heart. Because someone or something Has your heart? Something or someone has my heart. Who has your heart this morning? What do you dream about? What do you dream about? And I'm not talking about in the middle of the night and you're surprised by a dream. If that were the case, um, I I got mauled by a rhino last night. So that's not what I'm talking about. Uh, Seriously, I kid you not. Scared me to death. (laughs) That's the first one of those I've had on a Sunday morning. But anyway, so. I'm talking about what do, you, what do you dream about consciously? What do you dream about? What are your dreams? What do you dwell upon? What do you allow your mind to think about? What's the source of your hopes? What determines where you spend your time and your money? Oh, that's a, that's a tough one. Someone, you know, years ago said if you look at someone's calendar or uh, their checkbook register, you can find out who and what they really love. (laughs) In our modern age, I don't think those things exist anymore, but that's okay. It's still a great indicator, isn't it? Where we spend our time and how we spend our money determines, shows. It's an indicator of who we love or what we love. You know, when Jesus gave that answer, when he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, he was echoing the principle that God gave the children of Israel back in Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy 6, four through nine, check this out. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and he uses the word might here, Jesus said, uh, with all of your strength, mind and strength. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And then by the way, side note, whole other message for another time. But parents, he says, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit down at your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates." And so he talks about, Jesus talked about, God talked about both the Old and New Testament about this idea that we are to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind and all of our strength. And I think if you put those together, if you put those things together, what you get is passion. That's what it is. It's everything. It's our whole thing. What drives you? What are you passionate about? What is your first love? I heard years ago, somebody say, it's the first, most, and best check that we ought to have to see if God is our first love. What are we we giving first? What are we giving most? And what are we giving our best? Those three things may more accurately reveal our passion than anything. So the primary, if we are going to be people who have our passion centered, where he wants it, we are going to be able to say, the primary love of my life is God. Listen, my wife is down here up front, and um, my kids were here in the first service. I've been, Cindy and I have been married for 25 years this year. She is the love of my life. I am so thankful that God gave her to me. It doesn't mean we're perfect. It doesn't mean we agree all the time. We don't, but I am so incredibly thankful for her. More than anyone else in the world, I'm thankful for my wife, but she doesn't have first place. And to be honest with you, when I allow someone, even her or my kids who come number two and number three, I'm not gonna tell you which order they come in. They don't know either. They're tied, okay? All right, so they're tied. All right. So anyway, and if I had ten kids, they'd all be tied. And I probably wouldn't be married to her anymore. Anyway, I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. Even though they are they are the most important things on this side of heaven. God is first, he's first, he's first. And when I begin to let that slip, when I begin to let her or the kids take that place, that's when I lose my first love or someone else or something else or some other cause. I love being your pastor, I love being your pastor. Just like my relationship with Cynthia and my kids, there are times we argue, right? There are times we may disagree, but I love you. I love being your pastor. But you never get first place. You never get first place. Who has your heart? The primary love of my life is God. Secondly, the main motivation of my life is to please God is to please God. The main motivation of my life is to please God. If we can say, I think we're more than halfway there, if we can say the primary love of my life is God and be truthful about it, and the main motivation of my life is to please God. This whole idea of motives is so important in terms of our relationship with him and what that looks like. It's so incredibly important. What drives us? What drives you? What, what, what drives you to get up in the morning and go to work and to do things with excellence? And for a lot of you who are retired, you're like, nothing. <laughs> but there's something that drives you to get up each and every day. There's something that drove you in your career or in your home or whatever it was that you spent your life doing. What is that? For some of you, it's achievement. Achievement or money or perhaps advancement or education and all the students are like, that's the thing that doesn't drive me, that's the problem. (laughs) I've been there. Or maybe it's family or maybe it's reputation. Maybe reputation is the thing that drives you. It's your primary motive, fame, influence. Colossians, these are three verses from the Apostle Paul to the church in this age. In Colossians 3.23, he writes, whatever you do, work heartily, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. See, for me, part of my issue with depression was people pleasing. Man, I'm, an, I'm a people pleaser to the core and, and a lot of pastors are, and it's probably the worst thing that we should have is like one of the top characteristics because I'm going to fail at it all the time with my wife, with my family, with you, with my community, with extended family and even friends. Mm. What drives you is it to please others, is it to please yourself. I identified there were two things that drove me, pleasing people, everyone around me. Literally, that is a recipe for disaster. The other thing that drove me was my own feelings. I was consumed with it. I still have moments it bothers me. But if my motive is to please God, whatever we do, whatever kind of excellence that we put into our family or our work, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Man, maybe some of you need to plaster that everywhere. Everywhere. 1 Corinthians 10 30, uh, 31 says, so whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, he, Paul says, do all for the glory of God. There was this debate in this new church because everybody came, a lot of the people came from a Jewish background and they were like, well, you can't eat these things. That's what the law says. And and, some of the new Christians were saying, oh yeah, it's permissible now. And and Paul kind of levels the playing field. He says, whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, just do it for God's glory. We'll talk about it in a minute, but that may mean that I have to limit those things. (laughs) Whatever it is, do it for God's glory. Romans eleven thirty six 36 says, For from him and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory forever and ever, amen. And those three verses caused a group of people years and years ago to come up with something that has stuck with me since I was about 15 or 16 years old. And it comes from the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which is one of these times where we as God's people got together to, to put our creeds together. And, and I love this very short, memorable statement, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Do you realize that the moment that you, if you're here and you've accepted Jesus as your savior, that the moment that you did that, the moment you believed in him, you stepped into eternity. That's why we call it born again. That's not some small idea. And so if our goal is the moment that we enter into eternity, the moment that we ask Jesus to be our Savior and we enter eternity with him, and when we're not on this earth anymore, when we are with him in heaven, if our eternity began at that moment of salvation, and our whole goal is to worship and glorify him, why not start now? Why not start now? Doing everything with excellence with him in mind, not our achievement not our advancement, not money, not all those other things. So for people who have this passion thing right, we'll be able to say the primary love of my life is God. The main motivation of my life is to please God. And then finally, the central desire, the central desire of my life is for more of God. This is, this is a tough one. <laughs> What do you want more of right now? I did not like this question this week (laughs) when God was dealing with me on this, to be honest with you. What do you want more of? What do you desire? And some of you are like, hey, love and desire, Todd, same thing. I think this is the result of the first two. I think this is a great indicator maybe of where we are and i want to be a person who like the psalmist he said this in psalm 73 25 and 26 he says whom have i in heaven but you and there is nothing on earth that i desire besides you you have many problems if we lived life that way do you have many problems that would solve man that would solve a whole host of problems in our lives He says my flesh and my heart may fail but god is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And so what do you desire? What do you desire? See, I think desires are, are, are a little bit different than love because desire is like that fleshly kind of natural because of the results of sin part of us. And it's gonna always be at war with the things of God. It is in my life. I think it is in all of our lives. We always have to fight. There's this tension that's always going to exist. What do we desire? What do you desire? What do you like to feed in your life? What do you like to give water to in your life? What do you constantly pursue? What do you wake up first thing in the morning and look at? What is that? What is it? If I'm honest, there are times and seasons where he is not first. He's not my one desire. I wanna be a person. And I don't know about you, but I wanna be a part of a church whose people, their main desire, our central desire is him. Over the last two Saturdays, I decided it would be a good idea to clean up our backyard from Hurricane Matthew. True, true. Yep. Cynthia thought it would be a good idea to do it in 2016. You know, when Matthew happened, I didn't think so. I thought I'd wait four years. Um, And we got the we. Don't worry. We had some help getting the bad stuff out of the way. But it was. It's just a mess. It still is. There's probably another weekend or two or five. Anyway. So Sean and I got out there. My neighbor came over yesterday and helped. It was awesome. We had a good time. And uh, we were taking down some trees that were already coming down and cleaning up. And one of the things I realized over these last two weeks is um, I have a ton of weeds back there (laughs) in the back. And I was looking at my yard that I took a lot of care of and got the, you guys have heard my story about the irrigation stuff, I won't go into that, but like kind of got it working a little bit, although it's not right now, but anyway. Uh, so I got it working and the grass greened up and now I've, just, I've got crabgrass everywhere in that yard again. And it's all, there's just weeds, right? And uh, it's, it's time for me to put some weed killer down, right? It's time for me to get that grass growing so that those weeds get starved. It's time for them to starve. It's time for me to pull out some of those weeds. I hate, that's the worst thing. I love landscaping, I hate pulling weeds. Give me a tree to take down any day of the week. Anyway, it's painful pulling out those weeds. But you know what church, for all of us, I promise you, we have something in our lives. that's a spiritual barrier that's sucking the life out of our spiritual journey with him. And it is time to starve it. It's time to stop feeding that thing that's taking you away from him. It's time for me in my life to starve some stuff that's in my life that will take my attention and my focus and my aim away from him. Because of spiritual weeds, it's the same thing. We either feed it or we starve it. We either feed it or we starve it. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Those of you who came in today, and if you really peel back the layers, like, man, it's time for a reset in my passions. It's really gotten out of control. It's my kids. My kids are my passion. That's okay. You realize that a lot of these desires and passions and things that we're talking about, there are a lot of things that are good, that are given by God that can take us away from him like our kids. It's a problem at work that's just consuming me. It's this one relationship that is absolutely taking over everything in my life. It's work, it's school, it's a friendship, it's social media, it's food, it's alcohol, whatever that. Thing is, I want to encourage you today to give that to God. Let him do his work, but it's also time for you to begin to starve it. Because when we reset our passions, we reset our passions when you and I orient our love and our motivation and our desire towards God and the things of God. And let's all agree that maybe we all have some work to do on this, starting with me, starting with me, starting with me. But imagine what God could do in and through us as a church if we begin to reset our passions. If we head into 2020 and recognize he is such a good God, he's such a great God. And in response to what he did by sending his son to this world to die for us, Why shouldn't we give him our love, our heart, our motivation and our desires? Let's let this new year, let's let this new decade be a time when we talked about resetting this with each other, but let's get serious about this and the stuff that tries to tear this down. Let's as a church, be a people who God uses because we decided to reset our passion and have it be for him and him alone. Father, I thank you so much for your word. God, admittedly, um, this is a heavy message, but you meant it that way. You wanted it that way. I needed it over these past few weeks. God, I pray for those who walked in here today who needed to hear from you about this subject. God, I pray that you would help them right now in the strong name of Jesus, that you would help me, that you would help this house, this body, your church, to deal with some of these things that have taken root in our lives that are getting in the way of you. God, help us to be honest enough with you who already know it Anyway, to admit it to you, to give voice to it, to have the courage to allow you to eradicate those things, to take away those things that are such in massive conflict with you and you're the things of you. God, I pray that you would give us the strength and the courage to be able to do that. God, I pray for everyone in here who needs a reset in their relationship with you and their passions. And God, I'm just reminded once again of the words of Revelation when John told the church, the one thing I'm disappointed in is that you have lost your first love. Father, help us to get back to the place where you are primary, your first. And we're giving you our first and we're giving you our best and we're giving you our most, our all. I pray that you would do a deep spiritual work in each of the hearts and the lives of the people who are gathered here who are listening online. And God, I pray that you would take that and that you would use it for you, that you would be glorified, that you would be made pleased by how we treat this. And God, I thank you so much that you are such a good God. You're a good father thank you so much for the the sacrifice that you made. And God, we just give today, we give this year, we give this new decade to you in terms of our passions. In Jesus' name, I pray. And all God's people said, amen.